All righty. Welcome to Romero Records Podcast. Today we have on... Uh, Keegan Paluso. Awesome. How's it going, man? Man, it's going great. Thank you for having me. It's good to have you on. So, uh, so actually, I know we just talked about this, but it just mm-hmm. slipped my mind. It was the Louise thing, right? That's how we found each yeah, other? Yeah, the Louise Page thing. Okay. I took a picture of her and tagged her in it, and you were in the background. Oh, that's right. And you that's messaged right. me, right? And you like, hey, that's me and my wife. Will you send me that picture? <laughs> like, sure, man. And yeah, like, yeah. And then we found, I found out you... Oh, you messaged me you're like, "Hey, you work at Rhythm and Grooves right down the road." And yeah, so we've been following each other on Instagram ever since, man. Yeah, so. and I I love that about uh, Memphis. It's big, small city to where like I've been running into people. You know, you were asking me, "Do you know who Crockett Hall is?" I'm like, "Yes," because I had him on my podcast. Yeah. And so, so so far, people you probably know, I had on Crockett, mm-hmm. Victoria, yep. Luis, mm-hmm. and Elizabeth Craig. Yes. Um. Victor Sawyer, Lucky Seven Brass Band. Yes, I know Victor. And Sunweight, you had on Sunweight. Oh yeah. Oh, think, so you know Sunweight. Yeah, they did. I think they did my podcast the same week they did your podcast because oh. that was when their record was coming out. Okay. So yeah, that they did like a big hmm. podcast push. So I think they were. I think it was like the same week they were on my podcast. We were on, they were on the same podcast. Nice. So yeah, man. I just had on another band last night. I, I just released their podcast today. It's um shoot I forgot the post about that but um flirting with sincerity yeah I know those guys okay yeah, yeah I just did their podcast the other day so very cool man yeah um so I guess let's get into first of all all the things that you do you were telling me about uh, a good bit so uh, right start wherever you want to start with that oh man that's a I was trying to figure out a way to uh, like I was driving here trying to figure out a way to word what exactly it is that I do. <laughs> it's like, I don't have an easy answer for it anymore. So, uh, I actually, I'm wearing a Graham Winchester shirt. Okay. So shout out to, I don't know if you've met Graham yet. I haven't. He's awesome. He works with Crockett at Sun. He's, oh. he's he, arguably the busiest man in Memphis as far as gigging goes. <laughs> so I, I, the easiest way to put it is I'm on a quest to be as busy as Graham Winchester. Uh, but no, like I, I worked in music education for eight years. I've taught every grade from pre-K to high school mm. and all that stuff. Uh, I teach private music lessons. I'm a songwriter, uh, uh, playing uh, like front of rock band and then also freelance. So like I play drums for Oak Walker, uh, Victoria's oh, band. Okay. I just got done filling in for a punk band. The guys from lipstick stains. I don't mm. know if you've met them. They'd be great to be on here. Cause they're somebody told people. me about them. That name sounds familiar. Yeah. It's Ryan and Xanthi, uh, mom saucier. They're a married couple. And okay. then, uh, but they, they're, they parted ways with their drummer and the bass player and like in between them hiring new people, they had like some dates, so I just mm. played drums in a punk band for like two weeks. <laughs> so, okay. yeah, like I just do, and then like I've got my own podcast, Modern Working Musician, and then we have a recording studio up in Tipton County, and then I'm also a full time dad. So that the yeah, so I don't have a simple way to describe my music career anymore, <laughs> man. I wish I did. <laughs> so so how'd you start? I, I love asking people that. Uh, so I was in eighth grade. Um, I'd always wanted to play music, and. Uh, yeah, my dad got me a drum set for eighth grade uh, when I was for my eighth grade birthday, and up until then, like I had been, I live in like rural Tipton County, like mm. I live in the country and stuff like that. So it was like four wheelers and dirt bikes yeah. constantly, and then yeah, I got a drum set in eighth grade. I was like, well, this is it. This is what I'm doing forever. And yeah, uh, got a marching band in high school. Um, in Munford, where I went to high school, we had a very 
very competitive marching band program. Really? Like, yeah, very competitive throughout the state and, and the country and stuff like that. So, like, marching band was my life through high school and went to college for music because I loved band so much. And mm. uh, it was one of those, like, I loved music. Um, I loved marching band. So I fully intended on being a band director. Uh, and then, yeah, as soon as I graduated, I needed a job. So my first job was teaching middle school choir, which I had done none of. <laughs> so I taught middle school choir for a few years. Uh, and then I taught uh, elementary school music in Orange Mound for three years. Mm. And I just taught, uh, taught high school ba- marching band for two years uh, or like a year and a half. And then when my kid was born, I was like, nope, done with that. And so... Yeah, so that's that's the long and the short of my music education career. But along the way, I was playing drum set in bands, uh, played bass guitar, and we had a steel drum band when I was in college. So I started playing bass guitar in that, which mm. led to regular guitar uh, and songwriting and stuff like that. And uh, my brother and I, my, I, when I started playing drums, my brother picked up the guitar and and started singing and stuff. So uh, my brother and I have always been playing in rock bands together and things like that. And now my brother sings for Blood, Sweat, and Tears. He's super famous. He's also a TikTok famous bird watcher. Oh, really? <laughs> so, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, so, yeah, that's the long and the short of, of my very nebulous career. <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty cool that you just, you know music. You know, the, like a lot of people just don't. Like you were saying, the kid that can play drums well but can't do other things well, like right. That's that's me. Like I I can make beats. Like I just made a beat for somebody, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Man, this is great!" Like I, I did it pretty quickly. But like I know the basics of a piano. Like if you look at this uh, keyboard that I have right here, yeah. I have the freaking letters written on the <laughs> on the keys yeah. so I know like what what key is which. Um, and that's just something that I haven't taken the time to just sit down and like truly learn how to play. Mm-hmm. But I've done enough to get away with like, you know, the basics or whatever. Yeah. So I really appreciate people who actually know music. They can, you know, read read music. Yeah. You know, a lot of people don't know how to re- actually read music. So as, as impressive. I'm impressed with what you can do. I appreciate that, man. I, I do think there's two really, it, when people talk about music theory and stuff like that, one, like I'm super passionate about teaching music theory. So if you want, I can teach you music theory. <laughs> I've been teaching it for a long time. So, But I do think when people think about reading music, I t- always tell everybody to keep two things in mind. Like one is music theory as we know it, developed from things that people thought sounded good first. Mm. So if it's, if you're making music that you think sounds good, you know, whether or not you need to translate that into music theory may or may not be necessary. Yeah. Yeah. But that being said, the vast majority, I feel like culturally, because I'm like what you would call like a classically trained musician, right? Mm. Like I can read music. I'm, you know, uh, I've known music theory and stuff. I do feel there is a lot of what I would consider uh, an access issue mm. in music theory and reading and writing music because it's it's really uh, it's far and away easier than most people think it is. I mean, we got there's twelve notes in the chromatic scale. That's it. We only have twelve notes. And then as far as rhythms and things like that, if you can do fractions, you can you can read rhythms. Mm. So I really think. Uh, so many because i remember when i first got to college for music i was terrified of music theory like i could read i was a drummer i could read rhythms all day long but once you started moving notes up and down dude i was lost 
So I really struggled and had a lot of like misplaced anxiety towards music theory, which is why I'm so passionate about it now is because like once I kind of figured it out, I realized like 90% of it was my own intimidation, Mm. if that makes sense. So those are my two, like, like I said, I love music theory. However, like if you're doing what you think sounds good, is it necessary? I don't know. You know what I mean? So that's, that's why I feel about making beats. Like when I make beats, I know it sounds good, Mm -hmm. but I can't, you know, finding the root note or finding, you know, what's, what's it in the key of? And I was, and and somebody asked me like, what are the chords? Like, I don't know. It just sounds good. (laughs) I've got you all day. I love teaching. So anytime, dude, I like, I love teaching music theory, like, especially that, like Mm -hmm. chord scales, what key you're in. Like, I love that stuff. So like anytime, man, we'll just do a music theory lesson right here. (laughs) This is the whole podcast episode is me teaching music theory. Yeah. I've, I've seen like people, um, They'll they'll do like those like a breakdown of, mm-hmm. of a song and stuff, and I'm just like like it's not even their song. They'll break down somebody else's song. They'll they'll tell you like oh it's in this key, it's got this melody, these mm-hmm. chords and stuff like that. I was like that's so impressive. Yeah, like, to, to have that knowledge. Yeah, and then, like I said, if you uh, once you learn like what a major scale is, what a minor scale is, and then uh, what the chord progressions are based off in those keys, ninety percent of them in pop music are exactly the same. I've heard that. Yeah, I mean, you're going to use like a, you know, like take your C scale, for example. Mm-hmm. Okay, so like it's all it's all the white keys on the piano. So yeah. C, E, D, uh, oh my God, I'm going to say it wrong. <laughs> C, D, E, F, G, A, B, C, like all the white keys yeah. on the piano. So like your one chord is if I built a, if I built a chord, uh, is if I built a chord on the like first note of the key. Mm-hmm. So if I built a one chord, it would be C, E, G because it's the root now. And then your four chord, which is like your predominant chord, mm-hmm. would be, we are doing a music theory lesson, man. Let's do it. Let's <laughs> yeah. do it. Your four chord would be building a chord off that fourth scale degree. So mm-hmm. C, E, D, G, or oh my gosh, I keep saying C, E, because of, so C, D, E, F, boom, that's your four chord. Okay. Okay. And your five chord, which is known as your dominant chord, mm-hmm. um, is, uh, you know, C, D, E, F, G, build a chord off of that. Mm-hmm. So like a one, four, five progression would be C, F, G. That's that's how you build progressions off of a scale. So when you listen to music and you hear, um, I'm I'm asking this because I've seen some a, a very famous um, producer I've seen recently talking about how he hates using C, and I think it's because it's so popular and prevalent. Like most people, I guess, are using C because yeah. I've heard there's like. Um, you know, just the science to like, well, most people use this because most people are accustomed to that sound. So that's why, like, like you were saying, pop music all sounds the same is because people know it works. Like yeah. this, this sound works. If you hear that, are you like, oh my God, they use this again? Or are you just like, well, it's, you know, it's I, just a song. that's a really good question because when I, when I started playing music, I was like, a, I was a metal head. I still mm-hmm. am, but like, if it didn't have like a shredding guitar solo and like a crazy double bass something on the, you know, on the drum set, like I hated it. <laughs> like that was my criteria. Does it have a shredding guitar solo? Yeah. If not, it sucks. And you know, the more I, I thought, the more I studied music, the more music I would hate. Mm. And I, I really and truly thought I was like, I'm going to go to college for music. I'm going to hate it so much. And honestly, like being a metalhead and stuff growing up, 
like I had zero appreciation for hip hop. You know, mm. I was one of those like, you can't spell crap without rap. <laughs> I was one of those people. And then like, yeah, I didn't get into hip hop until I like my third year of college. I was mm. like, oh my gosh, like this is an entire like art form. And yeah. it, it was beautiful. And I like that was it until I studied music. Um, yeah, I didn't have an appreciation for so many styles. But it, yeah. so I will say, like, me personally, if it sounds good, I really don't care. Mm. You know, my biggest thing the music that I love is when I can tell someone is a either enjoying themselves or, or making something honest. Mm. You know, if, if I can, if I feel like I'm being pandered to mm. in a sense, that's the music that I tend to shy away from. That being said, I'm not above like some just good, like booty shaking pot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, cause sometimes you got to shake your butt, man. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I, I, there's some music that I can tell is like very formulaic, mm. but for the most part, like it doesn't bother me. Now that being said, I know plenty of musicians are like, Oh, we're doing this again. I hate it. So, um, no, like, uh, yeah, just because, and I think that's why a lot of people, uh, shy away from learning about music mm. or music theory is they're scared that once they know what it is, it's going to like pull the curtain back and ruin music uh, for them. Yeah, yeah. You know, and for me, it's been the opposite. Like I, just because I, just because you know how it works doesn't make it any less enjoyable to mm. me anyway. So I know like that happened to me with, uh, when I started learning more about photography and videography, I looked at movies completely different. Really? Like I was like, Ooh, why'd they use that lighting? Or, Oh man, I really, I really like how they use that lighting and stuff mm. like that. But before then, it's just a movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I think learning about uh, color grading. Yeah, yeah, that, that too. And like the whole like orange out thing. Uh, and like yeah, the yeah. early, t- I watched, uh, me and my wife watched Step Up 2 the other night. Okay. And like everything was so orange, yep. man. I was like, dude, I can't do this. <laughs> I've noticed so like, um, I guess dramatic or cinematic. That's what the, the term they use. It's like, it's got that, like a teal. It's mm-hmm. like a greenish tint to it. And, um. I, when I started noticing that, I was like, hmm, that's that's interesting. And then, like, as you said, like a warm, um, if everybody has seen the, um, what's the name of that movie? The uh, the new Jamie Foxx, and it's got Snoop Dogg in it, the vampire. It's on Netflix. What? Have I didn't you, even know about you that. You didn't know about this? No. Oh, man. So uh, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but there's a movie. It's, uh, it's on Netflix. It's got Jamie Foxx. He is a vampire hunter. And um, Snoop Dogg is also a vampire hunter, but it's like a, um, it's like a, um, like a task force. Like they are, God, this sounds amazing. Yeah, <laughs> they are. Um, I don't know, yeah, task force, like a police force. Like, they just hunt vampires. Oh my god! I yeah. watch this movie so bad. Yeah, it's pretty good, no yeah. doubt. Um, gosh, but yeah, it's it's really warm to it. But it takes place in California, like Los Angeles. Really? So. Um, I think that's what they're, you know, trying to do. And I saw some photo one day. It was like, um, it was pretty funny. It said Mexico in real life, and then Mexico in movies. <laughs> yeah, and it was, it was just, just like, like orange. Yeah, it was just straight <laughs> orange. Yeah, I, see, that and I was, was like, fun. that's so true. Like yeah. every time you see Mexico in a movie, it's just the whole scene's just orange. Yeah, it's like, oh, we're going to not America, orange. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's so crazy. But that's, you yeah. know, that's how. I guess we've programmed in our head. If you go to Mexico and that's all you've seen in the movies, that's what you're thinking. It's just, right. it's warm, you know, it's orange. Like that's, 
that's what you're going to, you're going to see red dirt everywhere. Right. Those, those colors. Yeah. I, I will say it was like, we, we did a, when I was in college, we, the percussion ensemble, we went down to, we did a field, like a, uh, travel study in Mexico for like 10 days or something like that. And it was absolutely beautiful. Mm. Like we were in Tampico. It was okay. Like down towards, it was like on the coast, but it was like way farther South, but mm-hmm. it's absolutely gorgeous down mm. there, man. I would, yeah, I would totally go back in a heartbeat. So I didn't realize how like mountainous Mexico is. Right. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know what I was getting into in the first place. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I was pleasantly surprised by that entire experience. So, so speaking about traveling and stuff like that, um, have you messed? You were talking about steel drums earlier. Mm-hmm. Have you messed around with like different instruments of different cultures and stuff like that? Yeah. So, like in college, uh, so my the degree that I have is. Uh, technically music education with a percussion emphasis. Okay. So what that means is basically it's a percussion degree, but you have to take uh, education classes so you can get a teacher's license basically. Hmm. So, but my main thing was like, I had to give a senior recital and stuff like that. So, uh, and my professor at the time, uh, Dr. Hmm. Julie Hill, she, uh, she did her dissertation in Brazil hmm. on uh, what's called Samba Hegi. It's like parade drumming in, uh, in, in Brazil. Uh, so yeah, we, we got exposed to like, and the coolest thing, because drumming is one of the like oldest forms of music, yeah. uh, they're just like, there's a ton of it around the world. So we did like, uh, Balinese drumming. We did, we had, a, like I said, we had a snail drum band that we actually gigged and stuff that I played gu- bass guitar for. Uh, but yeah, we, yeah, we, we basically every semester we try to learn, uh, new percussion instruments from different parts of the world. So we did some Middle Eastern instruments and stuff mm. like that too. So yeah, yeah, it was a blast, man. Um, and yeah, it, it was really cool, like taking that and trying to put it in the classroom too. So we d- we did a little bit of it, but not. A t- <laughs> so what what do you think about the different sounds? Do you favor uh, American drums over like different drums? Uh, that's a good question. I think uh, I, the coolest part to me was like what we think of as like what we think sounds good. Mm. We think is like a universal sound. And like, that is not true across (laughs) so many cultures. Like what we think sounds good, like may not sound good to other cultures. And like, uh, you know, there's the old adage, like people say music is a universal language Mm. all the time. And I'm not going to like argue for or against that, but it is really interesting to see like what cultures view as like what sounds good Mm. and how it is vastly different to like from what we consider sounds good. Yeah, Yeah. Cause I mean the majority, you know, like, uh, of our musical history is either like Western Europe or African music put together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, like, so like you take the, the marimba, for example, like the large mallet instrument, um, like in certain parts of Africa, they love the way that it sounds if it like has a buzzing sound to it. Hmm. So like, uh, like here, like buzzing noises, if your instrument buzzes over here, you're going to assume something's wrong. With yeah, you're like, Oh wrong. yeah. But like they, they go like, that's a sound that is super ideal to them. So that's, yeah, that's really interesting to me. Hmm. So yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the best example I have. Or just like, you know, different, uh, different types of metallic instruments from like, e- from like, you know, Eastern instruments and things like that too. So uh, another thing I find interesting is just like, um, the, the tempo, of like different, I guess different people's, um, uh, I guess their their liking, um, their their interests. So like with with hip hop, you can go one tempo and 
and you were also talking, was it, what is it called? The, uh, the signature, the, like the time, time, time signature, yeah, yeah. time signature. So have you ever heard of, I guess it's just drill, drill rap. I've heard of it, but like, I don't know what it, it is specifically. It sounds so strange that, and like people who are from, um, Detroit, Detroit, Michigan, they've got this certain sound and correct me if I'm wrong. I've been telling people this for years, but I've probably been wrong the whole time, but I always say it sounds like they're rapping on the downbeat instead of like I guess just like a regular. I don't know if that if that's correct, or not. but they, they just got this weird rhyming scheme to it where it sounds like they're off beat. But really? that's just how that's just how they choose to rap on the beat. And I'm just like, this is so weird. But it's, I don't know. It's just like uh, I said tempo, but maybe just like their cadence and okay. and how they choose to attack a song is just so different. But like really? you can you can choose. You know, you just pick any kind of rapper. They're, mm. you know, they're going to use a beat a certain way. But it's interesting how people hear a beat and choose to rap on it a certain way. Like as I said, Detroit has their own specific sound. Really, and it's like, huh? How do y'all think the same to use that type of tempo or cadence or time signal? It's like that's that's interesting. Yeah. Do you have any artists in, in particular that come to mind? I know there's a famous Detroit artist named uh, Sada Baby. I absolutely hate his music, but <laughs> I'm gonna have to check it out. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you listen to some later because you're gonna be like, they, they sound offbeat, but it's really just I always say the downbeat. But I think is they're just rapping in a different a different cadence than most people would usually okay. attack a attack a song. So I'm just like, oh, I'm so interested. So yeah, like, it's, it sounds d- different. It's just different. <laughs> dude, I, yeah, I'm here for that. I got really into, uh, I think it's called noise rap. Noise rap? Yeah, it's like, Never have you listened to Clipping at all? Mm-mm. Oh yeah, like it's just like, it's so Clipping, it's David Diggs. He was the guy, he was in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. He, he did a bunch of stuff, but it's him and two producers. And he just like, he'll rap over like a feedback loop. And then, like, their latest record, the final track is called Piano Burning. And it's literally, like, they burnt a piano and recorded (laughs) it for half an hour. It's just, like, it's just the weirdest, like, darkest. And it's, dude, it is creepily, like, it's very, like, dark, like, the lyrical topics and stuff. (laughs) But I cannot, and I, like, my, all my classical music friends are going to get mad at me for saying this. Uh, One of my favorite composers is a guy named John Cage. Mm -hmm. You've heard of John Cage. No, no. So John Cage was this weird hippie in the fifties. And he was just like, I'm going to do a very, uh, what's the, can I, can I say curse words on here? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, it's not (laughs) super bad. I'm going to say like a bastardized version of his, uh, uh, of his life story. But basically he was like, his philosophy was that all sound is music. Mm-hmm. So it's like, Oh yeah. Like boom, that's a piece of music and stuff like that. Oh, and I think I know you're talking okay. about. Yeah. His most famous piece is called four thirty three, four minutes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think you might've seen all the memes I was making about him on Instagram. <laughs> I made so many memes about him, but, um, yeah, so famous piece called 433, where you just sit at the piano for four minutes, 33 seconds, and don't make a sound. So, like, I I love, like, I got really into, we did a John Cage concert when I was in college. Like, mm. I got really into Cage, and I, like, I fell in love with weird noises. Mm. Like, I love, like, the weird art, all that stuff. Like, I have no explanation. I just absolutely love it. Like, yeah. I think it's great. So, like, to get into, to find a style of hip-hop that does that same exact thing, it's like, we're going to rap over, like, throwing light bulbs off of ceiling. You know, like that's so cool to me. Yeah. So that yeah. that's I never really thought about doing that. Just like 
no beat, but just have random sounds like while you're ra- like basically rapping all acapella, mm-hmm. but then just like throw random sounds in it. That's, yeah, that's I'll send you some clipping, man. You you might dig it. I mean, like it's not for everybody. Like I said, it's yeah, yeah. really dark. Most of the lyrical content is like really like dark and morbid and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But like the and then like I said, he's at some point he's rapping over a feedback feedback loop. Sometimes they'll like. <laughs> Uh, you know, it just, it's crazy, but yeah, it's, it's totally my jam. <laughs> That's wild. Uh, there's a couple of topics I wanted to bring up to you because, uh, one flirting with sincerity brought this up. Um, they were talking about what is, they, they were asking me if, um, he kept saying Sonic pulse, but, uh, he meant uh, silk Sonic. Oh um, yeah. So he was asking me what I think about silk Sonic as them as a band, but then I started really bring up a different question and it's like, what is a band? Because, you know, it's just those two guys, but like, you know, they used a lot of, um, I know they did some of the, uh, the horns mm-hmm. or the, it's either the horns or the rhythm section of, um, Silk Sonic. What is it? Uh, Boo Mitchell records them. I can't think of the freaking. it's a, it's like a famous group here. I think they do horns, but, um, just the fact that like, bands nowadays like it's not the way it was like i'm i'm 30 i was born in 92 and the bands back then i feel like just don't exist nowadays like i was saying i i listened to um maybe like some seether some creed um crossfade um I listen to a lot of Alter Bridge. Dude, I love dude, you're not I mean I'm 31, so like okay. we're yeah, dude, we're yeah, yeah. we're those, we were alive during the peak alt yeah, rock. To period. me, those were <laughs> yeah. classic bands for, yeah. for me. And I guess those are like I guess the seventies versions of classic rock, you know what I mean? Like the mm-hmm. uh, I guess that's seventy, I don't know. Um like I guess A C D C Metallica, you know, p- people like that. So Yeah. What what would you say nowadays? can be considered a band. You know, we're in this electronic age where like anybody can just make sounds and then, you know. Yeah. I mean, this might sound like too philosophical of an answer. I don't know. It's, it's um, great coming from somebody who knows music the way you well, do like, teaching it. You know, like I would classify like in the classical music world, you classify an, an ensemble is just any group of musicians. Mm-hmm. And that's an ensemble, you know, whether it's like me and you were a duo a trio, blah, blah, blah. Like, I feel like calling yourself a band. Um, uh, do you know who Ben Ricketts is? I've heard the name. Yeah, ben Ricketts is a, you need to get Ben Ricketts on your, Ben, if you're watching <laughs> this, come be on this podcast. Cause it's really good. Um, now like Ben Ricketts did an episode of my podcast, uh, was back like twenty, right before COVID, it was okay. like twenty nineteen and stuff. But he talked about how there's never been uh, a golden age of music. Like mm. there's, I, I, I think especially in the, I mean, if you look at just the history of humanity, like in the past century, we have accelerated like human progress yeah, yeah. exponentially compared to anything, and, and I think that comes with a very, uh, a, a much larger lack of standard than we think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like, what is a band? I, me personally, like nowadays, I don't necessarily know if there's a standard definition. I, I think it's a matter of semantics. So like it, if calling yourself a band means you're going to make the kind of art that you want to make, mm-hmm. 
then like call yourself a band. If it, yeah. if it, you know, if you, if you need to call yourself a duo or an ensemble, like whatever you want to call yourself, I think, I think, I do think semantics does influence art and mm. philosophy. So I think, I, you know, like if you're, uh, there is a group, I cannot remember who it is, but I think they're, I think it's a hip hop group and they like, they call themselves a band, mm. but like nobody plays an instrument. They all rap. Like mm. if that's what they need to call themselves to make that art, yeah. that's cool with me. Like I'm sure there's somebody out there is like, no, a band is real instruments. And they're probably like, yeah. they could probably make a case for that. Me personally, I think, like I said, if that's what you need to call yourself to make good music or make the music you want, mm. call yourself a band, you know, like is 21 pilots a band. Well, I mean, they, it's a lot of electronics, but they're both playing real instruments too. Like, you know, yeah. it's, it would be hard for me to say that that's not a band. Yeah. You know what I mean, so I think about that with, uh, <laughs> I've seen this hilarious meme. It was, um, well, I, I think it was a tweet or something, but somebody said two random white guys could walk up to me and tell me they're the chain smokers and I would believe them. <laughs> dude, I told that joke tonight. Oh, really? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, dude, I have, I have a funny, so I, I just went on this long defense of like all music in general and how it's all good. And I have a story about the chain smokers. So okay. like, uh, it was my friend's bachelor party. So needless to say, like we went to Nashville we're at uh, a music place, like we're at a we're at a, like a club, whatever you call it. Uh, shows how much I go out. <laughs> we're at one of those places where people dance. It was, we're at the discotheque. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but it was like two a.m. and this song, like the DJ keeps playing uh, "Closer" by the Chainsmokers oh, on okay. repeat, and it's two a.m. We're at my buddy's bachelor party. We're like dancing and singing and hollering. We're like, "This is so awesome." And the next day we're driving back from Nashville and it comes on the radio and you're like, dude, it's the song. Turn it up. We turn it oh up. We're like, my God. this is awful. What are we doing? <laughs> so like, yeah, that whole night we're like, yeah. But I mean, it, you know, I, I do think like EDM and stuff like that, like me personally, uh, like dances in the name, electronic mm. dance music. I'm not going to listen to that in my car because like, yeah, I yeah. can't like, I feel like EDM is one of those things that you need to experience like in, in, you know, in a club or mm. something like that. And I do think uh, that is one of my philosophies is like, I, I do feel like certain music has fits certain, like fills certain roles. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm not going to, you know, like I think EDM is a, a prime example. Like, that music is designed to dance to yeah. like, and designed to move your body to. So like, that's the purpose I'm going to fulfill it. Like I'm not going to listen to EDM, like relaxing in the bathtub. You yeah, know? Yeah. Me personally, anyway, some people might, you know, relax to EDM, but not me personally. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely think like, um, that's something that artists fail to think about when they're in their creation stage. Um, I actually made a video on this for the Damage Media Group. Uh, I put it on TikTok and uh, Instagram, cool. Damage Media Group Instagram. But um, what happened was is I, I found a guy who is my connect for doing shows in Germany. And um, I posted about it, and I had all these people hit me up. And I was like, you know, I – know what's going on but other people don't i just said hey if somebody wants to do some shows in germany just let us know mm -hmm. and just all these people were hitting me up and i was like this isn't for you but i was like they don't know that yeah. <laughs> so um I, I just made this video talking about if you're an artist you should understand the purpose of your music totally so if you are a heavy metal band unless it's satire or um, 
some very specific like um did you ever see uh Happy Tree Friends and Friends? No. It was like a cartoon where like it was kind of like um I guess like Teletubbies or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it was a cartoon and or, or they were like uh like little bears. I got you. And um they would like rip each other's heads off and kill each other and stuff like that. <laughs> oh my so God. anyways, I said all that to say if you're a heavy metal band or something like that, you're probably not going to get a little kid's cartoon or something like right, that. Right, yeah. So you need to understand like what your music can be used for. Like who is going to use your music, the mood they're going to be in, like when they're going to listen to your music. And then think about that when you create your music because that is how you're going to get the most out of your your audience and the and the best or like the most amount of listeners is so, by targeting those specific people. Like if you're a rapper, no, the state of Nebraska is probably not where you're going to get your biggest audience <laughs> yeah. from. Like they're not listening to that kind of music yeah. there. I don't know Omaha's rap game. <laughs> <laughs> so, with that being said, I think it's important Here's that like, oh my gosh. So I think it's important for artists to really, um, really think about you know that mood. You know what you were talking about Duh. is is understanding like, hey, my music could be used in this type of atmosphere. So let me, you know, make a song in in this fashion. So totally. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. And I think, um, it goes doubly. So just because like so many things are algorithm based right now, yeah, like, yeah. my phone, like Facebook is constantly trying to find the things that I want, yeah. you know? Uh, so like in, in, you know, other things like streaming services and stuff like that. So like to cater to your audience is going to put you in that algorithm to get you in front of the people, you know, like I could, I could pay for plays on Spotify, mm-hmm. but like, what do they get? Like, they're not going to put them like those plays aren't going to put my music in front of people that are going to continue to listen to my music. So yeah, I think, yeah, I a hundred percent agree. And I think you're just going to be happier with your art. If you're, if you're sincere with it and you know what it's about, you know, yeah. like it's, it's really hard. Uh, I've worked with a ton of, of young songwriters where they bring a song to me. I'm like, all right, well, what's this is about? And mm-hmm. they're like, you know, it, it gets pretty vague, pretty quick. And I'm like, you know, like I think that's one thing I've enjoyed going from songwriter to producer to educator and stuff like that is learning how to make people uh, specific enough in their music while still like remaining or maintaining their artistic integrity, mm-hmm. you know? Cause I mean, there's some, there are some styles of music. Uh, and that's one thing, reason I l- love writing in different styles too, is because like rock music, honestly, you can get away with being pretty vague in rock music. Mm. You know, like a lot of, you know, like you were talking about Alter Bridge and stuff like that. If you listen to their lyrics, it's like, especially Alter Bridge, like some of those lyrics are pretty damn vague, yeah, you know? Yeah. But then you move over to like country music. Mm. Like, dude, you have to be like, on, like, yes. and it, yeah. And it took, uh, I, I'm, I'm actually, me and my brother uh, are writing with our friend, John. He runs a label out in Nashville. Mm. And we do like a weekly writing session and stuff like that. And one thing I've loved about working with John, because he works in that like that area, is like there are certain lines that I'll shy away from because I'll be mm. like, oh, yeah, that's like too too specific. Mm. And he's like, no, this is the one. And he'll like, I'm like, oh, okay. Like, th- like you know, I'll, I'll be dodging things and he'll mm. like lean into them mm. because it's that style. So it's it's always a fun experience to, to work with people like that too. Yeah. I was talking to Luis one time. Um, her and a rapper, uh, Crisis J, were here making a song together. And um, 
Luis was saying, yeah, usually don't make happy music. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I do, it's really hard for me because I try not to say cliche things. And I was like, I never thought about that. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> that's that's a phenomenon to try to make a happy song and not be cliche. Yeah, I remember because I listened to Victoria's episode and she was talking about the same thing. It, it's so much easier uh, to lean into like, uh, not, sorry, I, I misspoke. Uh, it, it, it's it's so much harder to write happier music um, because, yeah, like everything you say comes out che- cheesy and stuff like mm. that. And I, I, I think uh, we think of happiness as like a lighter, more frivolous emotion, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like sadness is very like easily accessible as a, as an emotion. Like if I tell you I'm sad, like you're going to, you're going to know exactly what I mean. Um, and then like, but to creatively express like overwhelming joy is extremely difficult. Mm. So I, yeah, maybe our, maybe our language has not caught up with (laughs) (laughs) expressing joy very well. I don't know. And I would also say that like when you make sad music, your music is going to, I feel like it's more, I guess, impactful is the word. Um, happy music can be very impactful, but like, um, I feel like as people are going to relate to that a little more and like dwell on that song a little more than like a happy song. Yeah, totally. And it makes me wonder, and I'm just like pontificating here because like I feel like. I'm probably totally wrong in this sentence right now, but I feel, I feel like a lot of like when I think of my happiest moments, they are like almost incredibly unique to me. Mm-hmm. You know, like I mean, I could say like I'm happy that uh, like I have a kid and stuff like that, but like like that exact when I when I talk to people about like seeing my child born and stuff like that, like that's a very unique to me situation, yeah, yeah. and I do feel like my language is limited in expressing just how amazing that was. However, when like ex- I, I can express like a like a sad experience, like I don't know, I'm trying not to think of anything too sad because I don't want to bum everybody. But you know, like I could bring up like I've, it, it makes me wonder if like uh, sadder experiences can feel more general too. Mm. So, uh, I, I guess you know we all go through death. So right. you know somebody dying in the family or something like that. Um, you were talking about the country music. I really want to get back on that. Oh yeah. Um, I don't listen to country basically at all but like i'll randomly listen to it just to stay up to date on like what's going on like the state of country yeah <laughs> i need i need somebody like a president to give me the state of country yeah yeah dude, i do the same thing man i'll turn on like you know i'll turn on pop radio just like all right what's going on now, yeah, what, yeah what are y'all doing yeah. but um yeah i'm i'm interested in talking about that because you were saying about the the lyrics need to be specific mm-hmm. and i never thought about that and that is so true because country music so there's an older guy i work with and he he's like yeah i don't i don't like country music nowadays um they don't have the stories Mm -hmm. that older country music had and i was like yes because if i listen to older country music they've got like a specific story that seemed like real personal and like real cool yeah but like nowadays i feel like country music sounds a lot more like pop yeah yeah, I've made I made the comment that one like 
everything on the radio is hip hop. They just change some things up. Like, <laughs> I mean, like most countries, like it's a hip hop beat, yeah, and yeah. they threw some like you know, like some pedal steel and some violin on it or some mm. fiddle on it, and I like that. that boom, that's a pop country song. Uh, <laughs> I just overly generalized an entire style of music, but uh, anyway. No, I uh, I do think uh, I I totally agree. I think uh, or what I hear on the radio now is not the country that I prefer. Mm. Uh, but I do enjoy like like with anything, there is a counterculture. Yeah, you know, yeah. and there is like a, the counterculture of country. Pardon the alliteration. <laughs> uh, but there is like a the counterculture of country in Nashville night now is just so cool. Guys like Jason Isbell and Sturgill Simpson and. Uh, the other guys that I can't think of, <laughs> you know, they're, they're really doing like the outlaw country thing. Okay. And it's, it's like, it's like coming back around like mm. anything, you know, like with, you know, with in the eighties, you had like the eighties hair thing, mm. which gave birth to like punk and grunge and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Well, I mean, punk predates that, but you know what I mean? Like the counterculture, like there's like a resurgence of like the anti hair thing is why well. we got grunge, which is yeah. how we got, you know, other styles and stuff like that. So I do feel like, uh, just under the surface, there is like some really cool country music happening now. Um, I mentioned this, I was talking to my friend John on my podcast. Um, this is a, a conspiracy theory at best. Um, I read this thing one time about how, um, September 11th changed country music forever. Mm. Cause every, you know, everybody, when people talk about older country music, they talk about like nineties alt country and stuff like that. And hmm. like, they talk about how like, um, there's a certain song, I can't remember what it was, but it like, like the overt patriotism, uh, of country music started mm. with September 11th. Yeah. So I don't know how much true. I, I read like one thing on it, so it could be like a conspiratory at best, but I did think that was a really interesting article. Cause like you can trace a lot of like, uh, what we consider mainstream country now back to like the early 2000s. So yeah. It could be correlation and not causation, but it is also really interesting to think about. So. Hmm. I know there's that one song, um, Sue Me, if I'm incredibly wrong, but it's like that Uncle Sam put your name at the top of his list yeah. in the statue of, you know, it's all these like patriotic yeah. things. So I, I know that song was very, that was like the only country song I really like knew when I was like a, a kid. Yeah. And so like those, those types of things are, are cool. Like when it comes to people who don't listen to the genre, but know those songs, like that's when you know a song is a hit. Yeah. If you don't even listen to that artist or that genre, but you still know that song. Yeah. Well, you know, like if you get up and sing friends in low places, I was like, Oh dude. (laughs) Yes. I don't care who you are. You're singing along to that song. Yeah. Yeah. So, So I don't know. Uh, but yeah, no, like I, I, I do think, like I said, you were uh, talking about the country thing. It is interesting how like specific you have to be in your writing, um, and like some of it now is is not like some of what's on the radio now is definitely not what I would consider like country music I enjoy or mm. anything like that. So, do you do you feel like there's another genre that is bringing stuff back, like? I know, like, so, for instance, Silk Sonic, you know, they, mm. they're they bringing back that kind of, that funk sound. Mm. Um, I don't know if anybody else is really trying that. There's maybe some older artists maybe getting back in the music game, but um, does it seem like anybody else is trying to make something old new again? That's a really good question. Um, nobody's really, 
I'm probably just drawing a blank. I'm sure there are, but mm. there's nobody that's really... Well, I mean, you've got bands like Greta Van Fleet. Who okay. sa- it sounds just like Led Zeppelin. Mm. Like, sorry for those of you who disagree, <laughs> but they sound just like Led Zeppelin, and I will argue all day about this one. Like, They can do it. They can do what they want. That's fine, but Greta Van Fleet sounds... So I, I do think there's like the resurgence of like the classic rock thing and stuff like that. Um, but the, the Greta Van Fleet's the only other band that comes to mind that's doing like... Bringing back the vintage thing, I think uh, Macklemore just released a song today. Oh, I didn't really? listen to it, but it the video looked very Silk Sonic, and I was like, "Is Macklemore kind of?" Oh my god! I didn't listen to it, but the video was like, "Looks like Silk Sonic." <laughs> I just saw this video today. I'm not sure when the song released, but um, you know, Tyga is the yes. rapper. So Tyga and um, I think her name is Janae. I Aiko or something like that, um, and Pop Smoke, uh, who was has been dead for like over a year now, I think really? something like that. So, <coughs> excuse me, they just came out with a song that literally, I don't know, it's not the same words, but the the chorus is very similar to the same words, I think. But it's called, um, I can't remember what it's called, maybe Sunshine or something like that. But there's an old song. That is literally just like it. Really? And like the the notes sound the same. The lyrics sound the same. I'm like, and the video was like basically the same. Wow. And I was like, what was the purpose of this? Just redid the whole thing? The old song was way better. I was like, y'all, and I'm go. I'm like watching this video. I'm like, this is horrible. I'm watching it on YouTube. The song is bad. The video is bad. Everything. Oh, no. And I'm reading the comments and everybody's like, I'm so glad they did this. This is amazing. <laughs> I was like, what? Are y'all serious right now? And everybody's like, it's so great that they brought brought this back and and um, paid respects to the previous music. And I was like, did you though? If they respected it, they would have left it alone. <laughs> they would have did nothing to it. Yeah, that's so weird. Like, I, 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 I'm glad that people actually recognized where it came from. Yeah. At least, you know, I don't, I, I'm not a musicator and like, People liking what they like is totally fine with me, but like when somebody's like, "Oh, this is brand new thing," like guys, no, it is not. like that. That's the thing that you know, like yeah, you know, if we're if we're reinventing the wheel, and everybody's like, "Look at this new original," like no, it's not, guys. You know, yeah. so oh, you were talking about people like the resurgence of all this stuff. I feel like Taylor Swift did a real. I mean, this is a, like 1989 was like an 80s pop record. And mm. It was wonderful, and I loved it. It's still my favorite Taylor Swift record. So. I do see like a resurgence of like, you know, people uh, remaking like 80s music and stuff mm. like that. Well, I mean, dude, like, what was it? Uh, oh my gosh. Running up that hill. Yeah, yeah. Dude. Kate Bush. Yeah, that Kate Bush tune. Killing it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great tune, too. You Killing know? it. And I, I do feel like they're, I don't know, I'm not. So was she popular back then? I don't even know if she was a huge artist. I've never even heard of yeah, her. I'm, I'm not this. the right person to ask about that. But no, uh, I I think she was like fairly successful. Okay, but like she wasn't a Cher things, or yeah, yeah. Madonna or nothing like no, that. No, and then Stranger Things just went. But like I, I like this is like the music teacher in me too. Like like how you discover something. Me personally, like I, I think it. I don't think you are like disrespecting something for how you discover it. You yeah. Know? yeah. Cause there were a lot of people like, Oh, Kate, you like all these people don't know who Kate Bush, like they like her song now. Who cares how they <laughs> found it? it? You know, like people discovering Metallica from master of puppets, which mm. I mean, 
I'm not going to hate on Metallica on your podcast, <laughs> but I'll hate on Lars. I'll hate on Lars all day. I will hate on Lars. So all you Lars fans out there, he stared into the camera intently. No, um, but yeah, like people, you know, learning about Metallica through, like, dude, there's probably going to be another generation of guitar players from, you know, we had Guitar Hero. Like yeah, they've yeah. got Stranger Things, like Master, like, you know how many kids are going to pick up the guitar from watching that dude shred on top of a, yeah. you know, in the, like, dude like how can you get mad at that you know what i mean like i don't yeah like musical gatekeeping like i it it, that really bothers me it's like people like how you discover something like who cares as long as it's cool and that like as long as they like it and they they respect it like you don't like i i do feel especially as like growing up as a metalhead Mm. i i did for a long time felt like ownership of a fandom if that makes Uh, sense yeah yeah you know like i like People like if my favorite band all of a sudden like blew up and was wild successful, like, oh, all these people they don't like it. Like they don't know they weren't there in the beginning. Like so, um, people do this in the underground rap scene. So yeah. if you have like a favorite rapper who's not like signed to a big label or not like a mainstream artist, and then they end up blowing up and people start like loving their stuff, you're like, ah. Oh. I've been knowing about him since, you know, blah, 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 mixtape yeah. and stuff like that. It's, no, he's it's a sellout. Funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, dude, like, dude, metal music, like punk and metal, same the thing. Same way. Yeah. Like, there was a meme I saw one time. It was like uh, somebody waiting on a band to drop their new album. They're like, it's almost here. And as soon as they drop, drop it, it's like a meme of them typing a Facebook comment. It's like, they totally abandoned their fan base. This new stuff sucks. It's so awful. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, as soon as the album drops, it's, like, it's terrible. You abandoned oh, your fan base. Yeah. So, I mean, I, and it's probably like, being a working musician mm. uh for as long as i have like you gotta eat man like yeah. i'm not about to get mad at somebody getting paid like if if yeah. my if my favorite band is underground and then they blow up and they're making a ton of money like if their music changes who cares they're getting paid like yeah. i i can't get mad at that so yeah you'll, you'll find a new favorite artist like it, yeah the artists are out there you just got to look hard <laughs> exactly you know and I, yeah like i said i'm not i'm not uh i'm not that I'm, not, I'm definitely not a music hater, so it's really hard for me to be like, ah, this sucks now. Like, this. Yeah. But I will hate on Lars Ulrich from uh, Metallica. No. <laughs> I've got a few, like, favorite artists that I, I loved them at a certain period, and then, you know, they blew up and started making different kinds of music, and I don't really listen to it anymore. But, like, you know, that, that's what they needed to do, and that's what they need to do. Totally, yeah. And I, I think that's a really good point and a, a really – really cool thing about music especially in the digital age is like it's not going like the stuff you loved is still there yeah you know it's like it's almost like getting a tattoo like (laughs) you know like are you that same person that got the tattoo no is was it a like certain point of your life that you can look back on totally it's the same exact thing like there are certain albums that you know like uh my favorite band in high school. I don't know if you ever listened to Godsmack. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I loved Godsmack <laughs> so much. And like, you know, I I can't say I love them now, but mm. I definitely jammed some Godsmack yesterday. Do they still make new music? Yeah, they're still making okay. music. And, and I mean, it's it is definitely not my bag anymore. Mm. But like, you know, I'll go back and listen to like their first two records because mm. it reminds me of being in high school. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, it's it's a hundred percent nostalgia for me. So. Like, I would love to. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to do this because I don't know enough people who are from around here. But um, I would love to have like a like a late '90s, early 2000s party. And well, th- those could be two completely separate parties. But <laughs> yeah. I'd love to have a party like that and play nothing but music from those 
from those time periods because that would be so fun just like listening to all that kind of stuff and like the nostalgia of it is, yeah totally is just fantastic like listen to all those old bands and and um and all the old like party music <laughs> it's yeah. just fun oh dude i love it dude i mean it's coming back to i don't have you seen the Google? It's like the Google Home commercial or something like that, where they playing Backstreet Boys. Oh it's like, no, I see. Yeah, it's on you, dude. It comes up on my YouTube. Like oh. every ad is like, it's hey Google, play, and it's like everybody. <laughs> but yeah, like it's like oh man, our generation. It's yeah. like it's our generation's top forty, man. It's happening. <laughs> There's um when I was in college, my friends would always want to play. Um, Pandora was the thing back then. Mm-hmm. And they would always want to play a summer hits of the '90s. That was the um, the play- Pandora playlist we always played. It, it, every song was a hit. You know, yeah. it's called summer hits of the '90s. But every song was always fun to just like listen to and dance to. And I'm just like, this is so wild. Like yeah. the music that we listened to back then. And as you could make a case that music kind of hasn't changed and also has changed a lot at the same time. So. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I, one thing I really enjoyed about '90s music. From like my perspective, anyway, was it was a very just giant hodgepodge of of just so many artistic styles just kind of colliding. Like I feel like uh, f- from the way I look at '90s, the '90s it was just like nobody there was no like it, nobody knew what was going on. They just did whatever because I mean yeah. you had like you had, you had grunge uh, and then like everybody again like swing music was super popular for like a year. And then mm-hmm. I was like, no, never mind. We're not doing that. <laughs> you know, like when did everybody like, and I still like, uh, I don't know if you know, who Brian Setzer is, mm-hmm. uh, he's a, he, he's in a band, rocket Billy band called the stray cats. And that's how he got okay. famous. He's an insanely good guitar player, but yeah, he started a band called Brian Setzer orchestra and they were like, they did a swing record and it exploded. And he's mm-hmm. still, I mean, he still tours and stuff like that, but he, yeah, I mean like, I don't know where he's just like a swing band is famous in 1996 and then like disappears. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, crazy. Yeah. So. so for people who aren't in the music business, like the music business is so unpredictable. And, you know, we, we think about artists nowadays as these rich, well-off people who are just making music and just flaunting money. But like that could be gone the next day. Yeah. Easily. Totally. <laughs> like, um, Gosh, Chris Brown recently was basically complaining, and uh, <coughs> rightfully so. Uh, maybe who the the people he's affiliated with didn't push his music the way he wanted to, but people weren't really listening and paying attention to his music. Uh, he dropped an album a few weeks ago, really? and um, he wasn't getting the attention that he wanted. And I was like, that happens. That happens yeah. uh, to everybody. It's, yeah. it's not just just you, Chris. Like, you know, many people struggle with trying to make sure every single thing that they put out there is a hit. I would even say Drake's last album, who Drake is literally one of the most popular artists in the world right now. Yeah. If you look at streaming numbers. But um, I would say his last album it didn't flop, but it wasn't great compared to like his i i guess that's the problem is i'm comparing it to everything else he's done instead Mm -hmm. of everybody else but um yeah i I would say it wasn't that great compared to his other work but you know who's to say his next album isn't going to be the greatest album ever you know Uh, yeah (laughs) it it makes me wonder i have a question for you sir Mm -hmm. now um do you think that um 
information moves too quickly? Like, will there ever be uh, musical icons like there used to be? No. I say that because I've actually thought about this question before because everybody says the three most famous, I don't know if they're just saying people in general or just musicians, are the Beatles, Michael Jackson, and shoot, I forget what everybody says the third one is. Is it Elvis? I want to yes, Elvis. Okay. I think it's Michael Jackson, the Beatles, and Elvis. And I feel like that was because it was hard to make music in that time frame. No, people weren't pumping out music as much. Nowadays, an artist could put out a song a week if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. That was not the case back then. You couldn't pump out music like that. Number one, it was hard for the audio engineers. Um, you know, everybody's recording to tape and stuff like that. I think Pro Tools came out in like the 90s, and that's like the industry standard for a DAW. Right. So I say no because, um, you know, thinking about even even like actors, you know, there are certain actors everybody just knew because everybody watched that show. Families right. came, you know, um, if you stereotypical, you know, no offense to women or men, but the wife stays at home takes care of kids, cooks clean, stuff like that. The man, blue collar, comes home from work. You sit down, you watch TV around prime time. I think it's like starts around 7 o'clock p.m. Everybody's watching the same show at the same time. Yeah. We don't have that nowadays. You can watch whatever show you want whenever you want. So have you seen Game of Thrones? I have not. Perfect example. That I'm glad you said that <laughs> because that was the point I was going to make. Yeah. Is it's the most iconic show of the decade. I have not watched it. Tons of people have seen Game of Thrones, but you haven't. Back then, in the in long time ago, everybody had seen the same show because everybody's sitting down watching it at the same time because there was nothing else yeah, there on. There were like you. three channels. Yeah, you had like yeah. three, five channels, and that was it. So I think because we have so many artists nowadays and there's so much information out there, you're not going to have uh, a Michael Jackson or the Beatles or an Elvis Presley ever again. Yeah. Uh, I do think, um, you know, the people talk about the resurgence of vinyl, like it's happening in, you know, Memphis record Press yeah, yeah. Is, is like expanding and stuff like that. Uh, have you heard of the band clutch? They're like a stoner rock band. From I don't think 2000s. so. Okay. One of my favorite bands when they got famous, I was like, dad, come it. <laughs> but anyway, um, now they, you know, this was 20, 10, 2011, when they released their first record on vinyl because mm-hmm. uh, it was starting to make a comeback. And they made a really good point. Um, I remember like growing up listening to CDs and stuff. Like a CD was like 10 bucks. Yeah. Well, I mean, like a, I'm like a kid. Like 10 bucks is a lot of money as a kid. <laughs> so like if I, if I bought a CD, I was going to like make sure I listened to the shit out of that. Yeah, CD. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, yeah. And like, whether I thought it sucked or not, <laughs> I paid $10 for that CD. I'm going to, you know, you had a, what is it? Uh, oh man, what was that place? It's like FYE for your entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. You could like trade in CDs mm-hmm. and stuff like that, but still you had to go to the mall and stuff like that. So I do think music now is more disposable yes. than it has ever been. Like my Spotify, my like weekly, I was like, uh, 
my weekly roundup is that what's called mm-hmm. the weekly playlist that i make for you like i caught myself the other day like 10 seconds to a song nope nope just scrolling <laughs> man and yeah. that was music they're suggesting off of your yeah. past history yeah which is really weird like i don't know what happened so like so i like <laughs> i listen to like one indie band and like in a, in a smattering of other things, like I listen to vastly different music all mm-hmm. the time. But I listen to one indie band, and then my weekly round is like all indie bands that have been like recorded on an answering machine. I was like, oh, I'm like, no, God. this is not what I like, Spotify. But anyway, that's another rant. But yeah, like I, you know, if that had been a CD years ago, and I had spent ten bucks. Like I would not be just like scrolling through tracks. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I remember uh, when Clutch released their first album on vinyl, they talked about how like listening to music especially on vinyl is a much more active activity. Mm. Like, like, uh, like when I, you know, when I'm listening to Spotify in the car or something like that, I'm, I'm dri- like, I better be driving first. That needs to be my, you know, my primary task. But like when you're listening to vinyl, like you're not going to like put on vinyl and then watch TV yeah. or anything like that. So like, <laughs> you know, like, like listening to vinyl becomes like the primary yeah. activity. That's what we're doing. Yeah. You invite exactly. people over to listen to this. Exactly. Album. And then, you know, you've got the huge like artwork and the lyrics and all that stuff. So I think that's one reason why vinyl has made such a comeback is because mm. listening to music has become like the, the primary activity in those situations. So, yeah. It's, it's an experience that you're, yeah. that you're truly trying to dive into and, and, um, and understand like what's going on with that artist. But totally that, um, that shift that we went through in this digital time frame, it, it definitely made a dent in, you know, how we think about artists. Um, I, I would even say going to, to social media as well. Like, yeah. um, you know, Dolly Parton isn't killing it on Instagram and stuff. I mean, she might be, I don't know, but <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've never seen her, you know, something on Instagram about Dolly Parton or, right. or stuff like that. But you know, the younger people, that's their outlet to get, you know, eyes on them is to, you know, if, if I'm famous on Instagram, people are going to listen to my music and they might be, uh, you might see, you know, some, a, a famous band just like, you know, cooking or something like that, mm-hmm. but that might be their way of being funny or entertaining. And then at the end, all right, our album comes out this day. Yeah. <laughs> Check out our music. Yeah, I, I, my brother is a very fascinating case study of all of that because, uh, um, which you, I mean, Keith, come be on the show. I'm just <laughs> talking to everybody through your camera. Man. <laughs> now, um, so my brother, uh, I'm just gonna tell my brother's life story real quick. Um, he was a park ranger for a long time. So my brother and I, like we had like, my brother's my best friend. Mm. Other than my wife. Sorry, Lana. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, my brother's my best friend. We talk every day and stuff mm. like that. Um, and we play in a rock band together, but like growing up, like we both loved music. We were both loved being outside. Like we're both, we were in boy scouts. Like we're both Eagle scouts and stuff like that. Mm. Um, so when like the time came to come go to college, like he went to college for biology. I went to college for music. And then like, we were still like both like outside and music all the time. Uh, but no, he was a park ranger for like seven years, something like that. But he, uh, when my nephew was born, he, he basically took his paid time off to, to like dad it up for mm. a few months. And in that time he just like put some cover songs on YouTube. And next thing you know, he gets an email from the voice 
Like, hey, won't you be on the show? And he's like, oh, okay. dang. Yeah, crazy. Uh, he he missed my wedding. I'll never forgive him. No, <laughs> I mean, was, he had to. He was so sequestered to be on the show. So, oh, like, he couldn't come man. to my wedding. Uh, but he sent me, like, the most precious video. Like, it made me cry. Um, but it was basically, it was cool, though, because my wife and I got, like, a second honeymoon. Mm. We, like, went on our honeymoon, went back home for three days, and then flew to Hollywood to watch my brother audition for The Voice. Nice. Super rad, man. Uh, but, yeah, it was on The Voice. Um, made like the top 24 and then, uh, like gets off the voice and, um, goes back to park ranger for a little while, mm-hmm. gets a phone call. It's like, Hey, this is blood, sweat and tears. Like the famous Grammy winning fusion band from, you know, the, that played the original Woodstock. Mm-hmm. Do you want to be our singer now? What? Sure. The nice thing for blood, sweat and tears. Well then COVID hits. And he's like, well, they're not gigging, so I'm gonna po- <laughs> I'm gonna go do some bird watching. He decides mm. to post bird watching videos on TikTok. Now he's got like 150,000 TikTok followers for bird. It's like my brother has two dream jobs. <laughs> like he like he's like he uses touring in a famous rock band. Yeah. So like when they're touring all over the country, he just finds random parks around the venue and goes and bird watch. Like he did like bird watching videos in like Norway and stuff. They're funny. <laughs> like. But yeah, like it goes back to like what you're talking about. Like, yeah, he's he uses his music to fund his bird watching, to fund his music, to fund his bird watch. It's so bonkers, man. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Do you, so that whole story, um, I love asking people this question. Um, and have you ever heard of How I Built This? It's a podcast. Um, really cool podcast. I really su- suggest it to everybody. But cool. I'll check it out. It's about um, – I hope I don't forget the point I'm trying to make while I say this, but uh, the podcast is about, it's a guy named Guy Raz. Um, it's a NPR podcast. Okay. But cool. um, he basically just interviews people who own and run businesses. And it always has to be somebody who like started the business. So mm-hmm. it can't be like, uh, he wouldn't do Tim Cook because he didn't start Apple. Yeah. But he would do like Steve Jobs. Gotcha. Um but he's had on like like huge corporation people, um, and then also like some. They're they're always like bigger brands, but um, I think he's had on. Have you heard of Dave's Bread? It's like bread with Dave's like a Killer dude. Bread. Yeah, yeah, he had that guy on. Cool. Um, he was in jail. What? Yeah, he was in jail for a long time. I forgot why he went to jail, but um, that's why his bread's so killer. <laughs> yeah, right. that is. I didn't think about that. Dave's killer bread. So good to put him in jail. <laughs> oh my god! But um, yeah, I forgot why he was in jail. But he was in jail for a long time, and I for I'm saying I forgot everything. But he, I think he came up with the concept of the bread like while he was in jail, and then ended up getting out, getting his life straight, and. Um, and then started the bread company. But anyways, he always asked people. I mean, he always talks to people like that who like started a company and now it's a big company and stuff like that. I think he had on like Ben and Jerry's, the guys who started that and cool. all kinds of people. But anyways, um, at the end of the podcast, he would always ask people, um, how much of your success do you think is luck and how much of it do you think is just hard work? And that's a great question mm-hmm. because everybody has – Different answers. A lot of people have the same answer. They're like 50-50 or mainly luck or mainly hard work. But um, your brother's story is what interests me. Like, 
let's say y'all are identical twins and um, just one of you ends up being extremely successful, does some crazy things, and mm. the other one just doesn't, but is still super talented. That always interests me. I'm like, are some people just lucky? They're just literally, for some reason, their opportunities just happen. And other people who are still super talented, but they just don't get these random opportunities that just happen to them. So, yeah. uh, I, there's a friend of mine. Uh, he he was on my podcast. His name's Gabriel Levi. Ridiculously good guitar player. You should look him up. You probably dig it because you're into like older, like heavy metal mm. and stuff like that. You really dig okay. Gabriel Levi. But now uh, we we talked about because he got a. Do you know the band Animals as Leaders? Mm-hmm. Like a prog metal band. Uh, the league, it's it's an instrumental prog band, and the the main guy's name is Tosin Abasi. He's okay. a world-famous guitar player, uh, has his own line of guitars and stuff like that now. Mm. Uh, but he went to the Atlanta Institute of Music and uh, thought it was so valuable that once he got successful, he uh, he made a scholarship. Well, my friend Gabriel won the scholarship. Oh, okay. And got a full ride to this uh, Institute of Music and stuff like that. Um, but no, I asked, uh, I asked him the same thing, like, you know, like, because when he was telling me his life story, from his point of view, um, everything was a very linear progression mm. to that point. And I would say the same thing about my brother. Um, like, I like I love to tell this like, uh, like wild story about like my brother's just like the emails that he gets and stuff like that. But, uh, Gabriel said it best, like, uh, success is where preparation meets opportunity. I've, I've always uh, heard that definition. I and, really like it. And like, I, I, I think that, uh, is a very good Testament. Just how great of a dude my brother is, mm-hmm. you know, like he, he works his butt off. Like yeah. if he, and if he didn't, uh, these are like, he wouldn't be getting these emails if he mm-hmm. wasn't just, you know, the reason why he's a TikTok famous bird watcher is because he knows a shit ton about birds. Yeah, you yeah. know, the reason why he sings for blood and tears is because he's a great musician. You know, mm-hmm. if he wasn't either of those things, those opportunities never would have arisen. Yeah. You know? I, that's every time I think about those kinds of things, I'm like, yes, that, that is a hundred percent true. And then a lot of times I'm just like, some people just get lucky. Like some people just yeah. like things just happen. I but, do, you know, I do, I, I do think people, you know, people are like more fortunate than most yeah, in, yeah. in some instances. Uh, but like I said, if he wasn't those things first, it you know, wouldn't happen. Yeah. I, I tend, <laughs> I tend to quote Dave Grohl a lot because mm-hmm. Dave Grohl's a man. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen his hot ones episode. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But like he talks about that, like, uh, you know, in, in the field of music, whatever style it is, like, you need to be good at it first. Mm-hmm. And like, if you are really good and you put yourself out there, you know, people are going to notice you at some point. Is yeah. it, you know, like, uh, you know, I can, I can say the same thing about like, you know, being a, being a drummer, like, uh, since that's my primary instrument, like, you know, like I've landed like l- last week I got more freelance gig work than I knew what to, I, you know, I had to turn down gigs mm. and stuff like that. And it wasn't because I was like, um, I like I said, I just I've been playing drums most of my life. It's an instrument I take very seriously, and I put myself in the right position to where people, you know, like I was playing a punk gig, and some dude in the audience was like, "Hey, I'm a country artist. Like, you want to play a gig next weekend?" I was like, mm. "Absolutely." So you know, it was one of those things that just you know, being good at what you do and and putting yourself out there. And I think that's one thing my brother is especially good at mm-hmm. uh, is he is able to be vulnerable in 
on social media in a way that not a lot of people are able to be. Yeah, yeah. You know, like um, half the people that follow his bird watching content are there because like he's such like they use it for like meditation because mm. he just sits there and he's just like, oh, we're going to sit here for a second. Oh, that's a such and such bird. Oh, that's a, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's a Carolina wren. That's the only bird I can remember. <laughs> and he, uh, you know, so like he'll just sit there and name birds and people find it so relaxing. So yeah, uh, I, I do think one thing, aspect of my brother's suspe- success especially is I, I do think people, uh, and this goes back to like uh, what it takes to be successful in music now, uh, because of social media is I think people crave authenticity more than anything else Mm. because especially in social media, there is a constant feed of, of people trying to pander to your interests. Yeah. yeah. So to find something really and truly authentic on the internet, uh, I feel personally is getting harder and harder. Mm. So like, I, I do think that's why my brother is so successful. Um, actually Crockett Hall on his, uh, podcast interview, which is coming out as soon as I edit it. <laughs> Spoiler alert. No, we talked in this podcast uh, interview about like what it takes to be the next big thing mm. in music. Um, and one thing that he talked about is because trends move so quickly in media and social media and things like that, that a lot of times you can find yourself like if you're playing into a certain trend, you, you're already behind yeah. in a lot of sense. So one of the truest and and most effective ways to be the next big thing is to be the most authentic version of yourself as possible because mm. that's going to be the thing that breaks the mold about you. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. So going back to my brother, like, yeah, it, getting a random email is crazy. And like, yeah, but also like had he had not been prepared and good at what he already did, those situations would not have happened. So. Yeah. Have you ever heard of Savannah Brister? Yeah, I know Savannah. Yeah. I worked with Savannah. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, okay. I, yeah. yeah. I know she had she had been on The Voice. I had her on my podcast. Ooh, this might have been, I think it might have been 2020 when I had her on. It's been a while. I got you. That been, but, yeah. She, um, she was on The Voice, I think it was the season after my brother. Oh, okay. And then when she got off, like, like, they're both Memphis people that were on the voice. So like, yeah, yeah she, she, we, we did like a brunch gig with her and then, yeah, she's awesome. She is insanely good at what yes. she does too. Very so. talented, especially at such a young age. Like she was on the voice and I was like, you were how old? When you? <laughs> I was yeah. Like, That's crazy. Yeah. No, she, yeah. Savannah's just a great person. I haven't seen her in a long time. Hi Savannah. <laughs> he said into the camera once again, it's <laughs> just me talking to people through your <laughs> podcast now. Sorry, man. <laughs> um, I wanted to go back to this. We were talking about uh, bringing old things new again. And um, have you heard of Hyper Pop? No. That sounds so cool, though. I've been bringing it up to people and asking them if they heard of it. Um, so there's a young kid named uh, Sun Person, and that's his artist name. Was and he on this podcast? Yes, he was. I've listened to him. Okay. Yes, through this podcast. That's so, where I heard of him. Yeah. So he... Um, he he does this hyper pop thing, and when he first let me listen to it, I was like, "This sounds like older electronic music, like um, like old video game style, like I really? guess like a Contra or um, a Street Fighter or something like that, like older, just music like that, but made more modern." And okay. I was like, "It's interesting that 
younger people chose to be into this mm-hmm. because it's it's older but not that much older and they're just calling it this. Now this is pure my opinion. This is not a fa- <laughs> a fact by any means, but um I think it's really cool that number one they have made this new genre, which I think genres are are getting pretty wild. Same. Um, have you ever heard of Bobby Osinski? That sounds familiar. I listen to his podcast all the time, but uh, he's got a music business and music production type podcast. But okay. in his podcast, uh, he was talking about how genres are starting to go away. And you know, when I was listening to it at first, I thought it was pretty silly. But then I was like, you know, that's that's pretty true. Because like, mm-hmm. if I were to ask you, or if you were to tell me like, have you ever heard of such and such band? you usually go, well, they kind of sound like such and such, you mm-hmm. know, that you give me another band or something like that. You don't usually start off with the genre. You just say right. they sound like this person or this group. Mm-hmm. So with the new kinds of music that are coming out, that's, that's what we just do. We're like, Oh, they sound like so-and-so. Yeah. So, you know, genres are relevant. And, but, to add on to that, this is something I brought up with the um, Flirting with Sincerity podcast, but I forgot to mention Bobby also was saying the reason why genres are going away is because of what we were talking about earlier, the mood. People listen to music nowadays not based off of the genre. They listen to it because of how they feel. Mm-hmm. I'm happy. I'm going to listen to happy music. I'm sad. I'm going to listen to ha- sad music. It's not, I'm happy, I'm going to listen to pop music. I'm going to listen to anything that's happy. That's cool. I'm going to listen to anything that's sad because I'm mm-hmm. sad. And I was like, oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I do I, I do feel that, um, I was talking with my friend, her name is Phoebe. She writes for a contemporary Christian label in, uh, in Nashville. But um, she was talking about, especially in contemporary Christian music, uh, I don't know how much CCM. I learned that term. Was. CCM. Yeah, oh, she, kept, she, saying, she kept saying CCM in the interview. I was like, "What is that?" Like, oh, <laughs> contemporary Christian music. I was like, "Oh, makes sense now." Because I mean, stop. Shows how much <laughs> shows how much CCM I listen to. Um, but no, she was talking about like the you know I grew up in church and stuff like that, and uh, the 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 thing that always bothered me as a musician and a songwriter was how. Uh, repetitive for lack of a better word like a lot of contemporary christian lyrics were it was like, mm-hmm. oh, we got holies holies and hallelujah and yeah, it, you yeah. know and she she talked about like um when she was writing for a label they had always talked about like um becky well it was like uh becky's a woman she's super busy she's got three kids screaming in the backseat of her minivan and uh all we're going to do is like pick this one line and repeat it over and over. And that's going to be the line that resonates there. And one thing she talked about when she started writing for labels and stuff, she's like, we can expect more from our listeners than this. Mm -hmm. And, um, she said that's ha- I and I think she said it's happening in, in contemporary Christian music, but I, I really think that's happening across the board in, in so many genres is music. Um, was so commercial for a, such a long time, and it still is to a very huge degree. But I think the internet has broken that in a way uh, to where um, 
we have to expect more from the listener mm. uh, uh, and, and what they're giving us. Because, I mean, like, uh, like there are some styles that are still just totally locked into that and commercialized and stuff like that. Yeah. But, like, uh, I think the Internet has, has vastly uh, changed what people can listen to and experience. And, like, and I think that has broken the mold on genres and stuff, too. Because, I mean, like, when I was growing up, like, you were a metal kid who occasionally dabbled in other styles. Mm. You, know, you listen to country, you listen to rap. And that like, those were, you know, like there was not a lot of genre hopping when I was growing up. Yeah. And then once I got to college, you know, my college was like, well, 2008 was my first year of college. So that was peak, like music piracy, you know? Yeah. And then like YouTube and Spotify, I think Spotify was like 2009, 2010. <laughs> so that was, you know, that was, that was when, uh, the internet started like breaking genres for everybody. And that's mm. when I really got like, I didn't get into bluegrass until like 2010. You know, I was like mm. a metalhead. And then like 2010, I'm like, this bluegrass song is <laughs> awesome, man. Everybody's sleeping on this. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And I, I think 2010 was when I first got into to hip hop too. Mm. It was an album. It's called uh, NASA. I don't know if you've heard that. Mm. So the project NASA was like North America, South America. And it's these two producers and they did uh a collaboration between um, Brazilian and North American uh, rappers and hmm. producers and visual artists and stuff like that. it's a really cool. Dang. If you ever get a chance, <laughs> it's a, it's a cool ass record, man, but it's got, uh, who else it got? It's got Wu Tang on there. It's got Kanye. It's got uh, Tom Waits is like, yeah, Tom Waits is like singing on a hip hop song. Right. Yeah. Um, it's got George Clinton from Parliament Funkadelic. <laughs> dude, it, yeah, it's, dude, it is, That's it's wild. got uh, David Byrne from Talking Heads sings okay. like two songs. It, dude, it's crazy. So if you ever get a chance, the album's called Spirit of Apollo. Probably one of the coolest hip hop records I've ever listened to in my life. But that was, that was the, like the album. I remember specifically like that being the album. I was like, okay, I like, like hip hop now, man. <laughs> Um, so what are some things that you, I guess, just have seen in the Memphis area that you that excite you, that excite you about music or uh, art in general, the creation of creation of music? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, I think that's a great opportunity that I've been afforded, A, like having a podcast and and being a freelance guy and having my own band is I, I get to kind of like experience different aspects of, of this whole thing. Um, but I, I, one thing I have really enjoyed about Memphis is how supportive the community, like there's not a ton of like cutthroat competition and stuff like mm-hmm. that. You know, I've heard of other music scenes in different towns and stuff like that. You know, uh, I haven't experienced this, but I've heard about it in Nashville where like, mm-hmm. you know, people don't want to show you the ropes because you might steal their gig. Mm. And that's, I mean, that's not the case here. Like, I yeah, mean, yeah. you and I both have a podcast. I'm on your podcast right now <laughs> and you're going to be on my podcast. Yeah. Like we're not, you know, like we're not like competing podcast, you know, yeah. like, so that kind of stuff. Um, I, I love how it, this, I, I feel like this is a, a, a double-edged sword. Uh, there's always this sense of, wanting to build something in Memphis, mm. you know? Um, and I mean, you've got, you, how long has your production company been down here? Is it? We just, we just been here for a year. Yeah. So it's been, a, so like you're, you're in that same spirit of like, there is a lot here to make something great. Yeah. You know, um, you know, like, uh, I talked with, uh, 
Jim Cole. He runs the Memphis Listening Lab mm-hmm. across town arts. And he, uh, you know, we talked about like, you know, you've got like Elvis and Stax and Son and, and like this like golden, mm-hmm. like what we could say, like the foundation of the music history of Memphis. Yeah. Um, and like, there are so many people our age and younger, especially younger, like, dude, this next generation is so awesome. Like, don't even get me started. How, how cool, like Gen Z. Cause I mean, I taught, they were in middle school. I taught them like Gen Z kids are awesome. Anyway, <laughs> that's a whole other rant. Um, but yeah, like there's just this whole spirit of wanting to build something like build the next thing that Memphis is going to be known for. Yeah. You know, not, you know, like nothing against like Graceland and Beale street and stun and stacks. And like, those are very like quintessential parts of American musical history that are great. Mm-hmm. But I think everybody like who's from around here or, or works here now is like, all right, like what, what are we going to like, what's going to be the next thing? Yeah. And I think that's really cool. But there's also, uh, because everybody has that similar mindset, really hard to organize, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, I, and, and you can have like detractors and naysayers and, and, and people that are like, okay, I want to build something, but I want to build it how I want to build it. Yeah. You yeah. know, uh, not that I know any of those people, in particular, but like when you get any large group of people like that together, there's going to be people that are, you know, want to do it their way or, or in a specific way. But the fact that everybody here, all the musicians here, uh, every musician I met, like they're just hungry to do something and do the next thing and make it cool and, and make it cooperative and collaborative. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I that's like that's the energy that I love about this city is like every musician I meet is like wants to wants to do the next thing and make it better, but also make it positive at the same time. So yeah, uh, let's wrap this up. Totally, um, man. Give everybody info how they can reach you and work with you and all that kind cool. of stuff. Cool. My name is Keegan Peluso. I have a giant beard. Um, <laughs> now you can find me on everything at Keegan Peluso or Keegan Peluso Music. Uh, I just released a single. We're going to shout out that. Uh, my stage name is John Keegan, which is my first and middle name. Uh, so you can find that on all platforms called John Keegan. The song's called Over There. It's about how the internet is scary. Um, you can email me uh, if you need a drummer or a bass player or you want to do some production work. Uh, I will uh, engineer your next record and all that stuff. Uh, we can even uh, do it here or I'll ask if we can do it here, so uh, I'll get permission to do it here. If you'll just to. break in and work and, yeah. and tell me later. Uh, yeah, no, I will record here with permission. Uh, but yeah, you can find me everything. Look up Keegan Paluso. There's very few Palusos in this world. It's super Italian. Um, but yeah, man, that was it. So. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on, dude. Thank you, man. We got a yeah tradesies. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, we'll we'll figure it out. Ready. Cool, man. It was really nice sitting down with you. So. Awesome. All right. Thank you for everybody for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Cool.